All right, my friends, welcome back to the Freestyle Way podcast, which I was about to call something else because I've been filming these daily check-ins on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but welcome back to the Freestyle Way podcast. I'm sitting here with Rylan Hormel. What's up? What's up, y'all? How are you? I'm doing well, thanks, man. Yeah. How are you doing? I've been liking the daily daily check-ins or what do you call them? Vlogs? Yeah, da- daily yeah. check-ins. They're just little mm. videos. If, if you haven't seen them, they are basically these little five-minute, talks maybe maybe 10 minutes sometimes uh about certain topics that i'm thinking about or stuff that i'm working on that i've been posting uh on a daily on instagram and honestly i don't know how much longer i'm gonna go but it was something that i felt like i wanted to do and it's been an amazing project actually to work on and it's kept me super accountable made me think about uh, things a little bit different and it's allowed me to practice my speaking i feel like a comedian practicing my new set yeah that's, so you're you're doing it for yourself to start yeah and what's been really interesting it has been the people that have kind of come out of the woodworks that i didn't know were there and apparently needed to hear some of this and um yeah that that's pretty cool and and the fact that people are connecting with me on this yeah, it's pretty special. It makes you feel seen and supported and it doesn't make you uh, scared of showing your true colors, which is something that, not that I've feared doing before, but I've definitely been hesitant on to uh, doing fully to some degree. So yeah, that's been cool. Anyways, this week's podcast is another talk from The Insider, which by the way, we're planning Insider 2020. It's getting very exciting because I have this vision of making The Insider a two-day event where, yeah, we talk about self-development and communication and branding and business development, but it's ultimately a two-day event dedicated to helping people uh, find the tools and the uh, environments to go within. And going within is simply the act of self-reflecting and through this self-reflection, be able to make the changes they need to make to uh, become who they want to become. So I'm, I'm super fired up about this and, and we have a theme going now for this, this year's Insider, which is uh, our planet. Yeah, that's what it is. And, and this is something that we didn't talk about uh, on the podcast before, but I think it's time to start sharing that at the end of the day, uh, we are all citizens of this planet, and in any way that we can, uh, I think it's important to contribute and to uh, exercise some responsibility. And uh, yeah, that's what uh, part of the the insider is going to be about. And uh, it's a uh, yeah, it's a Broadway show, as I've said before, meets a TED talk, and I think it's going to be really really cool and i I don't know what size it's gonna be but uh, we're shooting big okay and uh on to today's episode tony sherbondi my co-author uh for my book freestyle that i wrote in 2014 how was it meeting tony did you even know he was my co-author um just from you mentioning it but um it was really cool meeting him it's cool to see the the connection that you guys have and um learn about I mean what you will learn in this episode is kind of this ability to bring in collaboration to a project and and how to do it successfully and um, 
really cool story. Yeah, and it's a cool story that is actually relevant for both the both of us right now because oh, sure. you and I are working on figuring out what is it that we're really going to collaborate on in the future. And uh, one of those projects is definitely the insider, but mm-hmm. I think there's much more, and I can't wait to announce what you're working on. Yeah, excited. Yeah, and yeah, just this um like the conversation around um like individual and collective ownership and getting like how do you get buy-in from people and um and make a like make it fair mm-hmm. right and it, it's kind of like like hearing your guys's um story behind the book and how you you know gave ownership to the designers and all of these things were just um outside of the box of like how you would typically hear something go down mm-hmm. right and it was um to me inspiring just to see that you know you can create things in a fair holistic if you want to call it way um and have it be successful which i mean it was a new york times best-selling book so um it's good proof that you don't have to do things in like a traditional way you can step out of the norm right which yeah that's that's massive you guys did yeah yeah and i think this episode is cool if you listen to the previous episode with diane sanfilippo this one is kind of a follow-up because tony was questioning diane sanfilippo during her her talking about collaborators and then in this episode Tony gets to take the mic and the stage with me and uh, we talk about uh, our different perspectives on it and how uh, kind of those two sides of the coin are important to look at, but how how uh, one may work in your favor depending on who you are, what you're trying to create. So yeah, I'm excited to share this talk with you, this conversation actually that Tony and I had uh, in front of the group of people who attended the Insider in 2019. And uh, yeah, we'll check in with you guys on the back end. So here is uh, Tony Sherbondi at The Insider. I think this is awesome that we get to do this one together as a contrast to uh, some of the other discussions that we've had uh, these last one and a half days. Um, Specifically because uh, it was a collaborative effort, unlike any I'd have been a part of before uh, and since uh, in a lot of respects. And so it's awesome that we get to then present it together like this. But also I thought it'd be really cool to present um, not a counterpoint exactly, but a contrast to uh, especially something uh, I think Diane uh, really clarified yesterday for us. Uh, And something that I actually, a belief that she has very strongly or a belief that I believe she has very strongly She's not here, unfortunately, that we can't continue this discussion. But uh, this one of autonomy, ultimate autonomy, and the beauty of being able to deliver this pure message and uh, control that in order to you know, take your company to that level that she took hers to. And maybe you noticed from the questions I had for her uh, that while I believe that is awesome and it's awesome for what she did, I believe that um, there's also other vehicles depending on where you're trying to go that can perhaps be more efficient, get you there uh, in a better way. So, for example, and, and this is kind of something I brought up to her, but you know, if you're going to go to Mars, maybe that's not the best vehicle. I've got it all. Everybody get, get, out, get out of my way because I've got the vision. I know how I'm going to do it. I'm going to get us there. And so it's about a collaboration, but then she also did touch on collaboration. Well, find this other person, you know, 
But I think she was speaking in this idea of find these other employees. Find your employees that you can work with. And um, I think I under, I, you know, I, I could tell a, a, a quick background story in a second, but I think my point is I'd rather work with co-owners uh, than employees oftentimes. I think some amount of employees is, is good. And I also think there's the right amount of co-owners also, co-founders. And I think one of the cool things about being here in Tonal and Silicon Valley, San Francisco, is that th- that is what they're demonstrating over and over again now. That is the modern company, the modern tech company, the way I see it, is this uh, idea that if, uh, you know, it, if you look about the revolution of the Silicon Valley and what happened, uh, a lot of the engineers and, and stuff like that, and sorry, that's from my perspective. There are also other players in it, but from my perspective, the engineers, they were always the employees. You know, some guy had money, had connections, investors, whatever. Engineer never had that connection. But finally, some people took some bets on these guys, a lot of young kids too. Uh, so that's part of the, the thing. And, and they're like, no, oh, why don't you own the thing? Why don't you find some co-owners? And uh, they, they're killing it. And they're doing it over and over again. And so I think depending on where you're trying to go, uh, co-ownership uh, is amazing. Um, and I feel like, you know, this wouldn't have been, this would not have been what it is. Well, if I was doing it myself, first of all, I wouldn't have written about this topic. <laughs> this topic is basically Carl's life, you know, and it's his mind in there. Uh, and then I don't know. Uh, would this book have been what you have produced if this was you nope. and your employees? Uh, definitely not. And it's because although I am a person that operates by feel, you can't produce something that other people can dissect by talking about feelings. Uh, the way that the the brain works also has thoughts and it has an organization and a structure that if you are not able to articulate that clearly to people, you will miss that. And the connection that you're striving to make will be missed no matter how good the intention is. And this goes back to what Tom was just talking about. And I just had a gut feeling that working with you was the right thing to do. That was me going right in the partnership. What I didn't know is that I was going to get a lesson on what true collaborative effort really looked like. And it began with this agreement that we are 50-50 partners in this and that we have the same stake in this product regardless of where the source is, which in this case was coming from my life and my brain. And what Tony did for me was to allow me to be my most genuine self and to gently ask questions that pulled out that information and then weaving it and organizing it in a way that works in a book format. This is no easy task, and this is, in my opinion, 
engineering. What Tony really uh, brought out of this was he allowed my ideas, which were, what, what did we call them at first? Little nuggets? Your nuggets, yeah. We, we call them nuggets. <laughs> uh, a lot of audio tape. Yeah, a lot. <laughs> we probably have, we have like 20 podcasts there. I always wonder about going back through that. It's like hours, like we'll, days we'll, of audio. We'll do that. Uh, and we're going to get into the process of this because I think it's super important. But yeah. to take these nuggets and to organize them in a way that allowed us to uh, present the language. A language. And that's exactly what uh, Tony helped me do. And that's why it would have never become this because I didn't know that we needed to create a language. It, you taught me that. Yeah, and in some ways, I didn't know that either. And I feel like through the co-ownership process, we, it was an invention that didn't come from either one of us, but came from the relationship. And sometimes the way I like to think of it, you know, I'm about to be a dad. Um, and a really strong contrast point to the idea of do it on your own Good luck having a kid on your own. <laughs> How the yeah. hell are you even going to create that? Seriously, yes. You know, obviously not. Uh, partnership and not, and what kind of a partnership? Co-ownership. Uh, and so, uh, sorry. Yeah, you're, you're becoming <laughs> a dad. Sense of emotion. Yeah. You're uh, a dad. Yeah. So, it's essential for some projects. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I think uh, or and sorry I'm trying to change all my butts to ands I'm working on that you're doing a great job I'm very confrontational in case you can't don't notice but uh, could also be fuck you so and uh, let me um, bring up something else because I do agree a lot with the idea of one of the things Diane uh, brought up was like, ah, as soon as you let these guys in the door, you know, there goes your vision. There goes your control. Shit can happen. Really bad shit can happen. That life sucking, you know, carving out your soul because that's the way she saw it. She saw bites of your soul being taken because you have this vision. And we've experienced that through other partnerships. So, mm-hmm. you know, one of my questions to you again mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe my talk is about asking you a lot of questions. Um, you know, you had this easy leap of faith that you did with me. And that honestly, you showing me that leap of faith is why I leap so fast, too. Mm-hmm. And saying, I don't know how to fucking write a book. Let's do it. Fine. You want me a Connor? Let's do it. But you at the time were experiencing another kind of co-ownership that I think was uh, different. Yeah. And so, which is how the, do you know? Yeah, which is the, the the, actually the inception of this event. So what Tony is referring to is that I was in a 50-50 partnership. Um, I thought it was 80-20. Uh, <laughs> I was in a 50-50 ownership uh, partnership uh, in a different business that some of you guys may uh, be aware of, uh, Gymnastics Wad, which was... Uh, the the beginning of me putting this out publicly and unfortunately we didn't have a healthy relationship and it's because we missed 
the point on everything that we presented this weekend thus far. And um, it's very interesting to look back because in 2013, at the, at the height of my success, <laughs> if you want to call it that, the bank account was really full, okay? There was plenty of cash coming in. And there was always someone on the other line, emails, calls, opportunities, you're the greatest, awesome. And what I realized was that I was an outsider of my own creation. And I didn't know what I wanted exactly, but I wanted to feel like I was an insider. That's why this event is called The Insider. is because I, I believe that it's important to be a full participant in the process. And in order to do that, you need to do not just the things that you're good at, you need to do everything. And when we met uh, and we started evolving in our relationship, especially with the book as our anchor, that's what you helped me do. And it was when we were coming back from the photo shoot in uh, Las Vegas, from shooting the 3,000 pictures that are in this book, one day. <laughs> yeah, which we were sitting on that plane and uh, Tony and I were talking. And I looked at Tony and I was like, Tony embodies the relationship that I believe uh, we should all have. And it was at that time that I knew that I had to make a decision uh, to separate from my old business partner, uh, even though I knew it was going to uh, be really painful. Uh, so th that's what I was going through. And what was cool is that we kept on just going back to the yellow brick road, which was write the book. We spent three years writing about what they asked us to write about, which was gymnastics. Mm -hmm. Until one day, do you remember, we were just like, fuck it, this sucks. Let's do something completely different. And Tony uh, said, you know what, um, I'm forgetting the guy that ran for president uh, that wrote the, the book and the app uh, for the iPad. Uh, Al Gore. Al Gore, thank you. Al Gore wrote a book. Push Pop Press. Uh, yeah, which was uh, in an app format. And he's like, that's what we should be doing. And I was like, yes. Tech, content, that's the distribution. And that day, we went to the coffee shop, and we laid out the whole book within three hours. That was crazy. And after that, we started weaving it all together. And then uh, Tony said, Carl, Let's cater to uh, your audience. And your audience is currently the people who attend your seminars. Let's write a manual on your book. That's what, uh, uh, on your seminar. That's what this is. And then, uh, uh, do you remember going through the titles? Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember all the, I don't remember many F4, of the alternatives, actually. Yeah. Fantastic Four, uh, all kinds of bullshit. Until Tony was like, no, it's just freestyle. This is, this is what you, you're teaching. Uh, so Tony came up with the title. In addition to that, he said, Carl, function is great. 
but the presentation has to be on par. What did we do for presentation? What did we seek out? What did yeah. you bring to the table there? I, I just think, again, that's an example of let's go find more co-owners. And I, it didn't start that way, uh, necessarily. Like, we didn't say, let's go find more co-owners. In fact, uh, it just started like, oh, I know some great graphics designers. I know some great designers that also have experience uh, doing some design for publishing. Very limited, much more on the art, you know, artistic side, meaning just a self-expression of what they wanted to do. Not for pay, but I, I trust these guys for some reason. Gut, trust. And again, as a scientist, it's a weird thing to embrace that. But I've learned to embrace that because I believe in this co-ownership process. And I think it comes from... It, a good signal of it is your gut saying what to do. Um, and so originally, we were just like, well, let's try to find a way to pay these guys. You know, that's the model we've learned, blah, blah. And then it just gets to a point where, you know, they're not really that interested. They're inspired. They think it's cool. And we're just kind of like, yeah, this is a cool project. And I say, Carl, do you like these guys? Like, we've met with these guys. I've introduced them to you. Do you like... You know, Smitty, Nick, mm -hmm. these kind of different guys. They're different than us, but you like. And Carl's like, I love these guys. Mm -hmm. I totally trust them. I was like, we've got to bring them in as co-owners. That's, if we're ready to do it, let's do it. And they're going to take us to this next vision that, again, uh, kind of uh, with Diane Salipo, Filippo, I'm saying, there's a strong vision, but I also feel like it's kind of a gut. That, like, we didn't logically know anything about this, partly because we didn't have the, we needed the relationship, I feel, to be the vehicle to get us actually to it, but use our gut to find the right people to help us create that relationship that would be the vehicle. And we're like, let's do it. Co-owners, boom. Next week it was like, hey, here's ownership percentage, bring you on as partners, what do you think? The energy change is dramatic. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. It's they go off on their own. It's their own project now, and and that's also what you have to do. So that's again another thing I want to point out. Ownership isn't just about uh, here's a percentage of my you know my pie. I'm pro promising you can you know you own. It's the empowerment to go back to uh, keeping people empowered. It's I'm giving the torch your torch. I don't just I'm not just giving you a percentage of this. I'm giving you autonomy, mm -hmm. so I am giving you the, the ability to be driven, because I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm saying I'm bringing you on as the, arti uh, not artistic, I don't <laughs> but as the design presentation mm -hmm. uh, leader of this thing. And that's what we presented to them. Um, and I... Uh, there is no way. Again, I, I would, this, this comes from like an architectural... Uh, type of uh, publication process that they showed us and they presented us different examples and it became this idea of a uh, of you know hearkening to some of those works uh, you know showing the physical body and some of these um, demonstrations of how to movement but also as if you know when you read some of these architectural you just see these different perspectives from these uh, pieces of architecture that are done and, and then sit, sit the way they are mm -hmm. and they brought that and yeah. so massive yeah. massive and i think that's really interesting uh because when it comes to having drive uh autonomy 
is it was number one. We, we talked about that earlier. And then what we did was we gave them autonomy in the thing that they were already interested in mastering. And they got to do that, which was really cool. And uh, ultimately, they had a collective purpose, which was to make sure that this book, when it came out, looked nothing like a fitness book. Those are some of the things that we believed. Let's make sure that this does not look like a fitness book. Let's make sure that this book is a book that when it's on display, you can see it. And uh, I get messages every week of people tagging me saying, hey, Carl, the red, the freestyle red is right there. And this is not any kind of red. It's a specific red that comes with a style guide. And the style guide carries over across everything that we do. And this is where now branding takes a more aesthetic approach that is now um, our signature. That's what it is. And uh, I think what's, what's cool about this, and I kind of want to wrap up this part, and then I want to talk about, uh, I want to go for 10 minutes and riff about the methodology behind it in a second. But what's cool about this is that with the architecture design that um, uh, Smitty created in terms of the grid, uh, in terms of what um, typography we're going to have, what, would, what was it going to look like, and then having Nick coming in to create the more uh, visual elements of Mr. Sticks, which is our, <laughs> our little anatomical dude, uh, all of a sudden we had uh, a space. This is literally a container where the engineer, the artist, and then the architect, and uh, the I, I guess the, the one that puts in the finishing touches in a way, which was mm-hmm. Nick, mm-hmm. get to play together and riff and create. And it's a, it's a remarkable thing. And what's cool about this is that one thing that we cared a lot about, this is just a funny story, was the cover. And uh, um, a month uh, after the, the book was out, we got a call from our publishing house uh, saying... Uh, An example of relationships that are not chosen co-ownerships. But. Yeah, the, <laughs> we have a funny relationship with our, 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 our publishing house, but that's... Well, a, I that's think every a, author does. That's for a different day. Uh, they said, we have to change your cover. And we're like, what's wrong? Well, you became a New York Times bestseller, so we need to put the New York Times bestseller author on the, on, the, on the cover. And I thought that was pretty cool. But you know how long that lasted that high? Seven minutes. How long did it last for you? Yeah, not... Uh, I don't think I ever really understood it. So it was like, yeah. you, you called me, and then I was like, yeah, that's, that's it, yeah. And then I, was, I don't know what to yeah, do. Yeah, we, we had a four-way call yeah. with our publicist, our publisher, uh, you and myself. I was in Sweden at the time. Uh, and I remember going downstairs and my, my family was having dinner. Uh, and I was like, I'm a New York Times bestseller. Everyone was like, woo, hey, how's your day going? Yeah. <laughs> like, it was just like that. Um, anyways, here's something that's really cool about this is that the, the architecture of this book is not just inside, but it's also outside. So it's, it has three parts. So it's color-coded on the outside. The other thing that's interesting is that uh, when, uh, and this was cool, our indexer, the person that did the indexing, did a really good job. So you can pick, at the end of the book, you can pick uh, something that you're interested in learning about. For example, let's say you want to go with grip. So you go to G, you look up uh, grip, it takes you to page 360. You go to page 360, and as you're reading on page 360, 
all of a sudden you start reading and within two lines you get uh, someone sending you to page 40. So it's like sending you to the beginning. So basically what this does is it allows you to navigate the book however you want. You get to choose your own adventure. And that's the beauty of having something that is well designed, that is well constructed. So it's not just uh, a place and a container for a great relationship and a collaborative effort to exist, but it's also uh, an amazing place for people to choose their own way to actually freestyle how they read the book. That's cool. The other thing is that this, the, the, the book itself was good enough that we got it translated into Korean. Someone bought the rights and translated into Korean, uh, into German, and now in this very cute pocket <laughs> format into Chinese. And uh, this is a copy that uh, I recently got, and uh, I believe you don't have one. I don't have so one. So this is a gift to you, well, and I uh, made sure to bring it, so thank you. Um, so cute. And I even signed it. <laughs> uh, you got a little dedication there. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, and this is just one of those cool things that keeps going and going and going. And just two days ago, uh, we got a royalty check. I don't know if you got yours. Uh, you don't check? No, I'm going to go talk to the publisher. Yeah, there you go. Okay. <laughs> uh, and it felt great to send uh, our designers their royalty after that. It feels great when you get to uh, pay it forward like that. And, and it's kind of the gift that keeps on giving. There's a method in this book. What's your take on this method? What do you think? The method? Yeah. There's many methods within the book. That's true, too. There, there is the method that, um, you know, there's the position, movement, purpose. There's the method that comes out of Carl's brain that is this thing. But there's also the method that you were just describing of how we want you to live with this material there's this method of this idea of how we wanted to weave lifestyle but with you know a lot of my interest and his too this is where we overlapped with the kinesiology of it and like kind of get into it but also tell it in a way that was actually kind of useful and approachable and, and took what was you know brilliant about uh uh carl carl's skill of communication and how to actually get people to you know already use this stuff uh, because they already have, they already know what they're seeing, and now this is well, this is what you're saying. Mm -hmm. So that was another method that I think is in there. That's that's amazing. I mean, it's 400 pages, Carl. There's a lot of methods. Yeah. <laughs> <the freaking> <laughs> <book>. <laughs> Has anyone actually finished reading the book yet? I knew you would. Thank you. Let's give it to Logan. Yeah, let's give it <laughs> He's to Logan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the, one of the reasons I'm bringing this up, yeah. and I think this is interesting, is that. Uh, in my career as a coach, one of the things that I've experienced is um, people uh, accusing uh, others, and myself included, of stealing methods, hmm. stealing methodologies, and uh, that creating dissonance, friction, and <laughs> nuclear reactions. And I just kind of wanted to share this is that if you're coming up with the penny method, for example, if you do a great job at creating a method, you better believe people are going to live it, integrate it, copy it. And when they do, 
my question to you is, are you going to invest money in the lawyers and uh, effort into trying to shut them down? Or are you going to realize that that's what you originally set out to do? And that now you only have one option, which is to go right and level up. I want to believe that within this book, we did that. We created an open source language and framework for movement that people could utilize as a way of creating their methods so others could do the, the same. I think that's very powerful. I like, I like how you contrast that with the idea of stealing also because um, I think that... Uh, and then also open source, this idea of code and stuff like that. And really, if you know, if something's not, if something's there, steal it and use it for your purpose. I mean, repurpose it. Like that's not that's not what stealing is. That that is taking taking where people are at and then doing your message on, on uh, with our current language mm-hmm. and. Um, the way we saw it as well is this process of creating a language. It all comes from language that we're also already using. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, there's a sense that nothing's really new, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, and uh, I'm also meditating all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and it's all inside, you know? And so, uh, yeah, I, I, um, I think though that this effort was to help create a language that helps you also unlock what's already in there in terms of how you know what to do with both movement but also uh, your lifestyle. Mm -hmm. For sure. And I think this kind of just dovetails into ultimately what we want to do is we want to make an impact. We talked about this yesterday. Our intentions are to make an impact, and hopefully that is a positive one. Or in Tom's words, a positive outcome is what we're, we're seeking for. And I think there's ways of accelerating that. Uh, a few years back, I got to interview Shane Dorian, a, a big, big wave surfer, and uh, he had created a, a buoyancy, like a life jacket, that you could uh, pull the trigger on in case you got pulled under too long on a big wave. And I forget who his sponsor was that helped fund this. Do you, do you know? Is it Quicksilver or uh, Shane Dorian? Rip Curl, was it? Yeah, maybe Rip Curl. Maybe it was with Rip Curl. But So they created a patent uh, around this system, this buoyancy system, uh, for the life jacket and what Shane Dorian made sure uh, to see happen was that every single athlete who was a big wave surfer had access to this technology so they opened up the, the, the patent for free licensing so all the competitors could participate in building their own this is the same thing Elon Musk is doing with Tesla electric vehicles is not just to create an electric vehicle, it's to accelerate the integration of electric vehicles into the car industry. That's where the big impact happens. 
this is just supposed to be that turnkey catalyst that allows for others to take it and make it bigger than we could have ever imagined. And none of this would be possible without this relationship, this partnership, and this ongoing conversation. Do you have any final remarks or any closing remarks? Anything you want to? People have questions about. Yeah. You know, does anyone have any questions? Want to defend yeah. uh, non-co-ownership. Yeah. <laughs> we 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 only have a few minutes, so we're just going to take like one or two questions. That we'll go for another three minutes. Daniel, is that cool? Yeah. Bam. Um, I also really enjoy collaboration. I think it is the way of really far, really far, but it does require a lot more. Yeah, I think um, uh, the process that Carl just described of the three years of writing before we actually made any progress, I would say. I mean, maybe we could go back and see if there's some of those nuggets that we should put into something yeah. else. I would say that that was all about what you just said. Like, we didn't actually know how to, like, we were butting heads, like, I'm used to stuff this way, you know, science, journal, this is what I have experience in. You know, he's like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> like, uh, don't control me. These are kind of my thoughts already. And like, I know you got frustrated sometimes when Every I... Every <laughs> day. It was frustrating all the time. <laughs> but we just kept meeting. And I, sometimes I don't know why, actually, because I was, busy, I was uh, helping start uh, a startup, you know, at the time it was like 10 people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was freaking busy. You were really um, busy. This guy was busy. He's flying all over the world. Then we decided, we got to hey, fly together. Come fly with me every weekend. So in addition to your startup that you're doing, yeah, yeah, and w- with was, Nate, the three of us. That guy's annoying insane. too. <laughs> yeah, it's like three annoying guys on a plane. <laughs> and then you're, you know, that's not easy at all. That speaks exactly to what you're saying. That wasn't fun. It, it was fun too. Don't get me wrong. I don't. I wouldn't have done it if it was just. We all, had a all great pain. time, but it was just something in there that just we just knew there's something bigger, and so it's worth it for some reason. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I have I have a I have a quote that kind of summarizes it a little bit, which is uh, is is I believe the reason we were able to finish, which is remember why you started, and you'll know how to finish. Remember why you started, and you'll know how to finish. It's as simple as that. We set out to write this book, and we were going to finish the damn book. We're going to do it, and we're going to do it well in a way where when we finished, we felt like this is a product that we're proud of, and we didn't stop until we were there, and uh, we pushed back the deadline several times because we, you remember, and they started getting a little annoyed, like, hey, we need to catch the wave, we need to catch the wave, and I think we caught the last wave, <laughs> <laughs> which was, we, we barely made it, but we, we made that cut. Yeah. And uh, I think that's what we, we did. And I think at the end of the day, every day we left our writing sessions, boom, boom, fist yeah. bump, hug. Thank you so much for your effort. Uh, see you tomorrow morning at 8, work out, 10, 10 a.m. we start writing. Yeah. And we did that for eight months straight when we were at, in the thick of it. Yeah, I think you get through it with respect for each other. That's where co- part of the co-ownership. So we've already given ourselves self score ownership, so respect for each other. Respect for the mission that we have. You know what? What is it that we're doing? And um, 
you know, sticking to that, sticking to your belief to get through it because it's not easy. But I mean, you've done a lot. Of, everyone here has done a lot of hard shit. Mm-hmm. So it's it's just another hard thing to do. That if you believe in, there's value in it. You do it, and then you'll find that um, yeah, marriage. The marriage. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, we'll take one more question. Uh, yeah, Logan. Uh, so as a fan of uh, shared accountability and ownership, I think it's a, it's a bit of a call to action to shared skin in the game. And I think it often doesn't happen because of fear, because it feels like I'm sharing on the treasures, but not on the responsibility. Um, when you guys were sharing your ownership, what are certain things that you did with the designers and with each other to keep that rigorous and to make sure that that wasn't uh, a fear that got in the way, or was it a fear that got in the way? Uh, can I just ask why you use the term rigor right there? I feel like that was interesting. Well, you said rigor. Uh, Is that a. I guess that's just my projection. I feel uh-huh. like um, accountability uh, doesn't work if it's hypothetical. Uh-huh. We're co owners, but ultimately I hold the bag at the end of the day. Yeah, you have the actual skin. Like if we win, we win. But if we lose, I lose. It's rigorous if we win. Both win, both. Gotcha. There's a lot of layers to this, but you go. Yeah. You go first, and I have an example of of when that was tested on us. Uh, cool. Yeah, I think one of the things I was getting from that, even is, and this could just be a, an interpretation of what you're saying, but um, uh, y- there seemed to be a little bit of fear already in the co-ownership. It, part of your message was, but don't you fear the color? It's like, because, you know, what if this person, one person's holding back a little? They're hedging. Uh, Let me just say, I think people don't engage in what you engage in because yeah. of fear. That is right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Necessarily uh, exactly, because you are such a color. Co- <laughs> yeah. But, um, no, and I can attest to that because I'm a member of Deuce Gem, and this is a 100% for sure and a, a living example of co-ownership in practice that works. Uh, and I think that part of the question, if, if I want to take it that way, is how does trust happen? <laughs> because it's like, you know, who's going to trust first? And I, I think I the, the yeah. answer has to be both of it's you both do. And I think that actually comes up a lot in, you know, again, I take it to tech, uh, startups and stuff like that. But uh, uh, that's a big question there, too, because, you know, uh, people are, you know, you kill yourselves for a number of hours and maybe this other guy's not pulling his weight. But the moment I start thinking that, I've lost the co, you know, I'm not respecting uh, my partner in that. Mm-hmm. And so I, I feel like, You've got to do the leap of faith to some degree. Um, and then the checks and balances, though, because in the end, the, the beauty of what you said, though, is it, rem- uh, it, it it's related to this other thing. We both, everyone's probably had bad experiences <laughs> where that exactly did happen and your trust was ruined. But I feel like it should be uh, a one and out game for that on a person on an individual level mm-hmm. and you shouldn't you can never I don't think you can take that information and then say okay well the next time I'll sort of 
pre-eject by like putting in this one metric of measuring how they're doing. Because as soon as you try to measure and you're, you're playing that game, you've lost the uh, ideal type of partnership. Where it really becomes ideal when it's a co-owner and therefore they're doing their thing that you've entrusted them to be the owner on. And you're just, yeah, you're the owner. Yeah. I don't know. And here's doing. an example of, of that. And I, I, I uh, sorry for interrupting, but so we gave uh, Smitty the ownership of creating the, the grid design of the book. And all of a sudden, our publisher got a little nervous towards the end. So he decided, I'm going to delete this whole grid and create my own and sent us back a completely different book. Smitty was like, WTF, what is this? I've worked for a whole year on this and you guys gave me ownership. What we did was we went to bat for him. We went to battle. Even if we had lost the um, contract with the publishing house, we would have stuck with Smitty. We would have stuck with the grid. The thing was more important than the the contract or the money or the the weird agreement that wasn't full co ownership or 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 uh, built on full trust. The contract with the publishing house came before the trust. With us, trust was a given, and then the contracts were developed accordingly. Yeah, yeah, that was intense. Yeah, they that were, was very they were intense. like basically, yeah, we're gonna. Yeah. You're basically in fault of your contract at mm-hmm. this point, and you know mm-hmm. we're gonna pull a thing. Yeah, we're like, and this also smitty. happened with pricing. They wanted to price our book double the price. We said <laughs> no. We want this to be a, a very competitive price because we want this to be as close to free as possible. You remember that we were fighting, and they're like, no. Bells and whistles only happen in China. <laughs> you know? And, and no, we can only do that kind of price if we go outside. And, and I, anyways, that's a whole other story. But we fought for those things. We fought yeah. for the things that we believed in because there was trust amongst the team and we knew that everyone was going to go to bat for that. Anyways, we're going to close this up. Tony, thank you so much for being here. Please give Tony a round. And we're back. Here we are. That was cool to listen to again, especially because it was such a meaningful time in my life. And that was the first time that I've ever collaborated with someone with such integrity and depth um, as I did with Tony. And it's cool to see just the contrast uh, between Diane's point of view and Tony's point of view and how ultimately I believe they're the same. It's just different vehicles for producing a certain impact. And clearly, you know, both of them are educators uh, and uh, they are savvy uh, business people. Yeah. So I I have a question for you. Um, And so like Diane mentions in the previous podcast that um, essentially I think collaboration you can think of as either like a shortcut or um, like an amplification of what you're doing. And like the shortcut would be maybe taking on a partner because it's going to get you to the next step in a faster way. But beyond that, it may fall apart. Right. Um, and amplification is something that is really, it's, it's the right thing to do. We're partners and we're co-producers of whatever it is we're working on. So with that in mind, 
I'm curious, what was like the foundation of you building that relationship with Tony? Like what's the bedrock? Like how did you know he was the, the guy to collaborate with? Well, we talked a little bit about this, but Tony was my client. Uh, I was his personal trainer, specifically in acrobatics when he was doing capoeira. And at the time he was uh, just finishing up his PhD in neuroscience at Stanford and we always wanted to write some articles around movement and uh, brain development and what this really meant. And uh, that never happened, but when the opportunity to write the book came around and they asked me to get a co-author because <laughs> they didn't think I was a competent enough writer, which, no judgment, of course, it was a no-brainer to reach out to, to Tony, who I had been talking to for so long. And Tony, who was working in Silicon Valley and is someone who has been pretty successful as an engineer and a scientist, he had this opinion that this is an opportunity to try to um, think about the book as uh, almost like a startup. And that in order for the startup to work, uh, we all need to have full ownership of the project. And for me, that was a no-brainer because... Although some people had said, you know, you're going to make some money off of the book. It wasn't about looking at the book as a product that was first intended to make money. It just wasn't. It was something that I knew was going to fizzle out over the years or, you know, could generate some kind of uh, revenue over the years. But it wasn't about the the money. It was really just uh, creating another form of communication. It was about having uh, something that people could hold on to physical, a product that could be in their homes and it could be a reminder of some philosophy or something uh, that they had experienced that was of value to them. And also it was uh, a calling card, basically this vehicle that uh, could be a catalyst that would initiate conversation. And an example of this is, uh, if you if you have a book, it's uh, it's pretty easy to get on a podcast or some show or uh, to initiate conversation uh, in different ways because people it's not that they're attracted, but they they see that you're reliable or accountable as you produce something uh, such as a book because anyone who's written a book or produced a book, uh, it's not something that happens overnight. I mean, it took us four years to to write. And uh, yeah, that was, the, that was the intention. So everything was based around this collaborative effort to produce the best product we possibly could to communicate the message and to make sure that all of our values, not just mine, but Tony's and the designer's values were presented, which is where function meets aesthetics and what, what does that mean and uh, where, where does uh, art and design uh, meet as well. And then in that meeting of art and design or architecture and art, be able to convey a, a powerful message. So it, I think it was always about that and never about um, money or ownership uh, percentage. I, I think that's, that's what it was really, it really came down to. So it was, it was a very organic uh, experience. Uh, and it was actually very freeing to know that we were all aligned in the project. That was cool. Probably made it more fun. 
oh, to work on. Insane. I mean, yeah. it was a struggle, as we said in the in the conversation, but it was uh, probably the most meaningful work I've done, mm-hmm. uh, the best collaborative effort I've ever had, and um, something that I hope to be able to experience again very soon. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's, that's cool. That. And then, I mean, where where was this um, like desire to bring art into it? I think that's always been there. I mean, yeah. my my mom is an artist, so I grew up around uh, painting all the time, and she's she's used uh, different mediums. So I've always been interested in art, and I've always cared about aesthetics. I want things to look a certain way because I think it's important. And uh, being able to work with people that are uh, well versed and have a deep body of work, like the designers that we we worked with, uh, was just super uh, uh, appealing to me. I just wanted to be around that, and mm-hmm. I learned so much in the process because they they were able to take what was in my head and present it in a way that I uh, hadn't never even imagined it. So to be able to see your your ideas and what's in your imagination translated into something physical and a reality that uh, is matched with their imagination is is it's almost like a marriage. It's like you you become you become uh, a couple. Uh, like you 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 really create a partnership there. And that to me is is awesome. It's something that you you just can't create alone. No, it makes sense. I mean, it's like you have a lot of information. Artists and art essentially tells the story of something of information and makes you feel a certain type of way. So like when you bring this together in a book, I mean, from the cover itself, you can, you know, that's an art piece. Yeah. You've mentioned that. Yeah. I think that's a cool way of thinking about it. Yeah. To me, that's important. It's, it's, um, it's something that when you see it, you recognize it. It's a signature. It's unique. Um, yeah, it's original. It doesn't look anything like a fitness book, but it is a fitness book. I'm pretty proud of it. (laughs) It's a good reminder to to bring in creative collaboration and look for artists to kind of help you, um, tell your story yeah it allows you to express yourself at a higher level more complete i believe yeah and that's why everything that i do i try to bring in that aspect to to convey a message in a a way that uh, lands with people beyond the words beyond the um, the mere information i want i want there to be some sentiment behind it and i think visually we can we can accomplish that and of course we can do that in many other ways as well which is one of the reasons i'm excited about the insider because it it really allows you to create that experience yeah anyways so uh i guess that 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 concludes our our episode for this week thanks for listening again and thanks for supporting us and i forgot to say last episode you can follow us at the freestyle way on Instagram, and if you're listening, take a screenshot, upload it there, tag us, and uh, we would be happy to, uh, yeah, get to learn more from you. Also, if you go onto the Anchor platform, which is where we uh, host uh, our podcast, you can send us voice messages. And uh, I got a couple of voice messages that I haven't shared with you, right? But you, you, you'll listen to them after this. That if, uh, yeah, you want to send us a voice message there, please go ahead and do that. And maybe we'll feature you in a future episode, especially if you have some questions. That would be cool. And then also, if you want to support our 
uh, podcast, what you can do is you can go to anchor.fm slash Carl Powley, my first and last name, slash support, and uh, you can uh, make a monthly contribution there. And the reason we're doing this is because at this moment, we're not taking advertisers. We're trying to grow this organically. And uh, yeah, we're kind of uh, letting the, the, the listeners, you guys, uh, vote on that. And that's what we're doing. So thanks so much for listening. Rye, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. And uh, we'll be back next week. Peace.